0: Hello and welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Josh Norris, and this is Ben Badler in uh, in Boston this morning. We're going to talk to you about prospects, like we always do. Say hello, Ben. Hey, what's going on, Josh? So, what did you want to talk about this morning? I think uh, I think the forefront of every baseball fan's minds who have been paying attention over the last 24 hours is uh, that massive slugger in Texas named Joey Gallo, who uh, debuted with quite a bang last night. What'd you think?
1: Yeah. Who? <laughs> Who else does everybody want to talk about right now? But Joey Gallo. It's uh, not. I don't think it's. It's. Everybody seemed very surprised that he was getting called up, but uh, I don't know that he's necessarily. Uh, you know, I, I think there's still a lot more for him that he could learn in the minor leagues to to use for his development. I don't think he's going to be up here for for much more than a couple of weeks while Adrian Beltre is is getting healthy and gets off the disabled list. Uh, but this is what the this is what the Rangers do. They're a very aggressive organization. They like to to push their guys. I mean, you saw it with uh, O'Dora last year, and
0: and how uh, about uh,
1: Michael uh, DeLeon going to to Double A as a 17 year old? They they always push their guys.
0: They upped the ante uh, last night. Jason uh, Yurizari's at Triple A.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they like to to get these guys moving. So it's. Uh, and, and usually when they do it, the guys are able to to handle it, whether it's, you know, even going back to guys like and Profar or, or Martin Perez, the way they uh, push them very aggressively. But they were able to uh, to handle those assignments. But, yeah, if they need somebody to come up and and fill in, it, it gives them a little bit of a taste of what more advanced pitching is like. I mean, there's, you know, Chris Sale. And and Carlos Rodon, I mean J- Joey Gallo is, you know, unless he sits in, in the lineup, he's probably going to face these guys. There, there's nobody he's going to face, uh, <laughs> especially as a, a left-handed hitter. That's it's going to give him uh, more problems or, or better stuff than these kind of guys. So, you know, getting exposure, even if it's just for a couple of weeks, to this kind of pitching can, can probably help his development. But yeah, I mean, last night we saw. What happens if if he if you make a mistake to Joey Gallo, he's gonna hit a ball 440 plus feet, and yeah, he's gonna put
0: you on the highlights. That was that was the baseball version of being posterized.
1: Yeah. Now the next game, he's just as likely to, you know, go over four with three punchouts. But any any mistake that's in his zone, he's just gonna crush. And he's not. I don't want to make it sound like he's just a, a mistake hitter because that's not what he is that 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 was what he was a couple of years ago uh you know when he was in hickory and and striking out uh you know, almost 170 or so times in uh, in a little over 100 games and, and there were a lot of questions about how that was going to translate going forward but he took uh, a big step forward last year really cut down on a lot of that excess movement got a better understanding of how pitchers were going to pitch to him and this is not a guy who's just up there completely hacking he's got he's got some some type of a plan at the plate he's got pitch and we talk about plate discipline and and pitch recognition but uh, he's got some pitch anticipation too i think he understands how pitchers are are going to attack him not necessarily major league pitchers right now he he hasn't seen that yet he hasn't quite seen the the level of of stuff and and feel for location that major league pitchers have that you're just not going to find in 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 double a but uh, but this is a guy who's gonna well, yeah, he's gonna strike out a lot but he's gonna draw a ton of walks uh pitchers are gonna pitch to him very carefully uh you know once he once he figures out the the major league game and, and adjusts to the speed of that game uh so he's gonna draw a ton of walks and, and obviously hit uh you know we had to threat to hit 35 40 maybe 40 plus uh home runs a year so yeah this is uh you know, I, I don't know how long he's going to be up. I, I think in the, the future, this guy's going to be, you know, obviously, I think he's got a very good chance to to lead the league in home runs or, or slugging. But uh, I'll be very interested to see uh, how he's able to to adapt and, and how the league uh, is able to how quickly the league is able to to get a book on him, even if it even if it's just a a brief brief stint in Texas right now.
0: I don't think it's too early. Uh, to get a campaign started to get Joey Gallo to the Home Run Derby in Cincinnati, uh, for the All Star Game. So, yeah, I don't think anyone would mind that. No, if you could get him and Bryant and Harper and have a Vegas Home Run Derby in Cincinnati, you It would be amazing.
1: I think. Uh, and and everyone everyone always sleeps on Chris Carter too. I'm not saying he <laughs> He's in that category as a as an overall player. Uh, but just in terms of Vegas raw power hitters. I mean, the guy had thirty-seven home runs last year, and he's he's almost like an afterthought in the uh, the Vegas uh, power power group. But well, uh, uh, he's not
0: he's not Bryce Harper, and he's not new and shiny like Gallo and uh, and Bryce. right.
1: Well, and all those guys are born what uh, <laughs> one or, or two years apart, and, and all we've all
0: seen the picture of Harper and Gallo playing on the same little league team. Right, right.
1: Did you ever play a little league team like that?
0: Well, um. <laughs> When you are five, probably two, maybe five foot at the time, and 110 pounds soaking wet, everyone's Joey Gallo.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're all Gallo. <laughs> um, so no, I didn't. Um, so yeah, we we it's not Joey just Joey Gallo on their farm. Um, they've got some other guys who are doing some damage, obviously. Uh, you are particularly fond of the AA Round Rock Club that features a lot of same guys that JJ Cooper profiled from the 2013 Hickory Club. Uh, Nick Williams is there, Nomar Mazzara is there, uh, Jorge Alfaro is there. Uh, there's a few more that I'm probably missing. Uh, Jake Thompson, I believe, is there. The the, the club that ju- that uh, that Gallo just left. So uh, we obviously, I think, I think internally we're highest on uh, Mazzara out of that group, if, if I'm correct. And I think there's a good reason for it. It's because he's a he's a very uh, a left-handed hitter with a very sweet swing who's starting to break out a little bit this year, and he's still very young for the league. I mean, what do you think about Mazzara, uh, Ben? Yeah, he's uh, it, it's it's
1: really impressive to me the adjustments that he's been able to make since he signed because when he signed, he played in this program that's that's run by uh, a, a trainer named Ivan Nabola, and he's he's had a lot of the top uh, uh, certainly a lot of the top players who signed for top bonuses over the years in the Dominican Republic and and obviously Mazzara still has the record for the highest international uh, amateur bonus at at four nine five million and it was uh, you know it was, a, it was a package deal too they they got a couple other uh, players out of it too and and threw some more money uh, their way but Mazzara played in this very Controlled environment. Everybody was saying, you know, we would we would see him, but he, you know, he wouldn't necessarily come to our complex. They would make us go to his field, which is a, a very small bandbox type of park. So he would, you know, he he did have big raw power, but it was looked even better there, uh, just because it was this, this very small park. He's hitting balls into the trees. It's it's very pretty to to see that. And the biggest thing was that. Uh, you know he wouldn't really play in game situations you couldn't see him face live pitching all that much you know there were there were teams that did see him face live pitching and and when he did it there was a lot of swing and miss there was a lot of strikeouts and that was a that was a big concern for a lot of teams he had this big uh swinging leg kick that really disrupted his timing and you know that works in in batting practice when you know the guy is uh, you, know, the, you know you know the guy throwing it to you is just gonna put it right into your kill zone so you could put on a nice show in BP. But when the the fastballs start getting a little faster and, and the pitcher starts to, to wiggle and bends, it's it's not so easy to uh, to be on time. And when when Mizarra came out that first year in uh, the Arizona League, he, I think he showed surprising patience. I don't think people, you know, it's it's hard to get a read on any uh, young uh, amateur hitter, especially in uh, you know when you're scouting them in the Dominican Republic, but especially when you're not seeing them in a lot of game at bats. Uh, it's it's hard to gauge uh, plate discipline and, and patience, pitch recognition, things like that. Uh, so he showed some patience and, and he definitely showed power, uh, but that you know again there was a lot of swing and miss. He went to to Hickory the next year. Uh, he had 236 and. You know he was all right. he kind of held his own there for for a young kid uh, in that league, but he had to he had to repeat the league and last year and, and that's when he really the season went along he kind of toned down his swing, uh, was able to to make the right adjustments and, and cut down some of that you know unnecessary movement uh, that was going on in his swing. and he, he really saw him break out. he went to to winter ball. Uh, tore it up there in, in the Dominican League last, uh, uh, this past winter. And then he's just kind of carried that over, uh, this year in Frisco. So, uh, you're, you're seeing a much more, much more refined hitter, a much more polished overall player than, than he was a few years ago. I mean, he's, you know, he's really raw in the outfield. There he's, you know, he had a, maybe an average arm at, at best, uh, when he signed. Now it's a, in a, you know, it's, it's an above average arm. He, he's become a much better outfielder, a, a much better hitter. And, you know, it's it's interesting because the I think he only has three home runs this year. so the the power hasn't been showing up in games so much this year. but I, I don't think anybody's concerned about that. This is a, a, an enormous human with 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 plus raw power. So he you know as he continues to mature as a hitter and, and find that right blend between uh, being able to put the ball in play and, and being able to drive it for power in game situations. I think you're gonna you're gonna see him really take off.
0: Yeah, and then I, I agree there. I mean, he's he's loaded with potential, just like all the other guys on this. Well, not all the other guys, but a lot of the other guys on this club. Um, we, we talked about Nick Williams, who's got some of the fastest hands in the minor leagues, and just like a lot of guys in the Rangers system, is just a toolbox with what stuff he can do. He can hit. He can hit for power. He can play the outfield. Uh, and this year, it's starting to show up. He's got an 18 eight, or eight. 18 OPS at double a he's got seven home runs which is impressive because his career high for a full season is 17 so he's you know he's on he's on track to to get near that again um yeah I I love Nick Williams I love what he's done this year and I
1: give a lot of credit to well to, to the players obviously themselves for making making the right adjustments but to it seems like the Rangers have a lot of hitters who have been able to cut down on their strikeouts and you and you mentioned that you, know, you mentioned that Hickory club a couple of years ago it was just kind of always amusing to to see that lineup because what would you see? You'd see guys with a ton of tools and a ton of strikeouts, exciting players on that team, but they also swung and missed a ton and usually, if you're swinging and missing a lot in low a low way, that's a pretty big red flag. Uh, for for all the pretty significant adjustments you're going to have to be able to make to hit major league pitching, and most guys aren't able to do it. And you know, granted, these guys aren't hitting in, in the major leagues quite yet, but the improvement that guys like Joey Gallo and Nomar Mazara and Jorge Alfaro and, and Nick Williams uh, have made since then has been very impressive to me. I mean, Nick Williams is a guy who. You mentioned his hand speed; it's it's outstanding. Hand speed; it's it's uh, it's a lightning quick bat, and and it's for a guy who, you know, you look at the the strikeouts that he had and and the very low walk rate. But you know, every time I, I talk to a scout about him, they just refer to him as uh, they they just love his natural hitting actions. I, and he always has hit for, you know, hit close to 300 for his career. But obviously, in, in his case, there's, you know, there were pitch recognition issues. There were approach issues. He was up there uh, swinging at everything. I mean, he looked, you know, and I wrote this in his report. Uh, you know, if he, if this guy hits his ceiling, he could be basically their version of Carlos Gonzalez. But if he never figures out how to actually manage his at bats and, and work the count and, and wait for a good pitch to hit. You know, he, he looks a lot like uh, Felix Pa too, who was obviously a, a very highly touted prospect. who was never able to, to put it all together in large part because of his his approach issues. But, you know, what we've seen from Nick Williams this year, he has 22 walks this year already through 51 games, which is already one more or excuse me, exactly equal to the number of walks uh, that he had a year ago for the entire season. And. You know, I don't think it's just, oh, it's, it's a small sample size and, uh, you know, he's, he's still up there just hacking away. I, this is real improvement from him. I think it's he, – he realizes that, uh, you know, sometimes you learn by swinging at, at bad pitches. Okay, if I swing at that slider off the dirt, I, I, I can't really hit that pitch. Or if I'm, you know, up there swinging at the first pitch at a, a borderline pitch and I'm just kind of rolling it over for a ground ball – that's really not the, the optimal approach. I'm, I'm not getting base hits by that. So, you know, I need to learn to to lay off that pitch. And some guys never do learn it. Obviously, you want to have the guy who has, you know, that natural recognition of the, the pitch out of a guy's hand and, and comes into pro ball with that. But, you know, some guys, Starling Marte was was like that. He had to to learn that coming up. Uh, and I think Nick Williams is – you're starting to, to see that click for him.
0: Yeah, I mean – uh, I think that's about right. I think you pretty much covered it there, Ben. Um, it's it's a really good club there at Double uh, A Double A Frisco, even with Gallo gone. Um, and it's impressive because at that Hickory club, it seemed like they didn't I don't want to say they didn't care about the strikeouts, but it wasn't a big worry. It was let these guys you know rip and and do what they can, and then we'll install a two strike approach later. And it seems to have worked for a majority of the guys to the Rangers credit. So you have to give them big kudos for that. Let's move on from the Rangers a little bit and talking about a guy who did move up. Uh, that's Yankees right-hander Luis Severino, who was promoted about a week ago from double A AA to triple A and made his first triple uh, A start the other day to kind of middling results kind of had a few command issues, but um, you know, you've, you, you and I both have followed Severino's career pretty closely Uh I cover the Yankees for the handbook and you're obviously the, uh, the international guru of international gurus. Um, so were you surprised when he got moved so early?
1: No. And it's where I got a bunch of questions too, from people. Uh, it gets so many questions from fans and, and people who want to know, Oh, why hasn't this guy been promoted yet from low a to high a like that's, uh, uh, like a month into the season, as if uh, you know that's it really matters whether what what level of A ball uh, a player is at, or or whether a guy's moving from high A to to double A. Uh, so I was very surprised when I got a bunch of questions saying, "Oh, why why are the Yankees moving Luis Severino so fast?" But
0: I got the same I mean, thing.
1: it's uh, you know, I don't, I'm not sure what there is that he needs to to do in in double A. I mean, this guy has. You know he's he's striking guys out he's 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 throwing a bunch of strikes he's been in Double A I think he had almost 15 starts uh, in Double A between this year and last year so you know I saw him pitch uh, you know earlier this season and and he didn't even have his best stuff that day uh, I think his is didn't really have great feel for his changeup which is obviously his. Uh, his well, I can't say his best pitch because he was sitting with his fastball 94 to 96 and uh, was up to 97 and, and he's been up even higher than that uh, at times in in the past. But uh, but even his changeup wasn't even on that day. His slider kind of came and went. You could tell he didn't, he didn't even just talk to him. But he said he didn't have his, the best feel for for his speed stuff that day. Uh, it still gets around the, the slider sometimes. But even without his best stuff, he was still you know overpowering that level and I think he's he's definitely ready for for that triple a challenge right now and I, I think he's got a good chance to I think he's got a good chance to be able to help them in the big leagues this yeah. year I, I really do I mean I think if you have you look at the just the injury rate of pitchers around baseball and you know, I think if a guy can can throw strikes and is, is having success you know I'm I'm all for pushing him up the ladder I, I think it's uh i think it's the right move
0: yeah he reminds me a little bit of jose ramirez in that system um both in stuff and build he's a little thicker than jose um and he's performed a little better but they moved him uber quick from double a AA to triple a i to the surprise of a lot of people um and he, he seems to be following a a the similar path. Obviously, I think they're going to keep him a starter as long as can be, and probably long term. I think he's a guy who could probably help them, assuming he succeeds in Triple the way he succeeded in Double A uh, around the All Star break. Maybe, maybe earlier. Maybe a little after the All Star break um, in July at some point. Especially if you think about that rotation, you're going to have Tanaka, who's obviously continuing to walk that high wire of of, uh, of health. We'll see how. How he fares I think he's today against uh Taiwan Walker, so we'll see. Um you're gonna have Nova coming back uh at some point around the all star break, probably. You're gonna have Pineda, and if you get Severino in there, um you might give yourself a, a big boost, and especially since these guys are, are contending in a very, very mediocre AL East right now. I mean, they're three games about, above above five hundred, I think, and are a half game up in the division. So a guy like that, if he can come up and provide something similar to what he's done in the minor leagues, that's that could go a huge way in a division race.
1: Yeah, I definitely. I don't know that he's ready right now, but like you said, by by the All Star, whether it's the All Star break or, or August, I think at some point this year, uh, you know, I, I would like to see more development with the slider. I think that would be the one pitch. It's interesting too because when the, him, the reason they signed him was. They liked his fastball and and they liked his slider. And in pro ball, he's become this fastball, uh, you know, mid-90s fastball plus or or better changeup guy. And the slider, I think it has its its moments. There are times it can be a a swing and miss pitch for him. It's just not a consistent pitch. He's still learning us to stay on top of it and and not get around the ball. But uh, to me, that would be the biggest development goal for him right now. In AAA, it's not so much being able to to repeat his delivery or throw more strikes. I mean, I think he has he's a, he's an excellent strike thrower. He's he's throws plenty of strikes. Uh, he's got uh, he's got three pitches. He's definitely a starter. Uh, but I would like to see him just bring along that breaking ball a little bit more. But yeah, at, at some point this season, uh, like you said, he he should be able to give that rotation a boost.
0: Absolutely. So we agree that his promotion is not too aggressive um let's move on um and talk about some stuff that i saw over this past weekend where when i was in uh i was in tennessee from thursday until yesterday and in that time if you listen to the last podcast you know i saw the cubs double a team the the twins double a team the brewers double a team triple a las vegas um i think i'm probably missing somebody in there uh, but that means I saw Buxton, Sano, Polanco, Berrios, oh, the Diamondbacks double-A team, uh, Braden Shipley, Brandon Drury, uh, Kyle Schwarber, uh, Corey Black, and Stephen Matz, and Orlando Arcia, among others. So we can start there. Um, I, I wrote about Arcia today on the site, or yesterday, I guess it went up on the site, and he was – he was really really impressive. I know you're super high on him. What do you what do you think about him coming into the year?
1: Yeah, I mean I I love everything about the guy. It's uh it's a very it's a very aggressive swing. I mean, I think you just look at the 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 numbers that he produces and you think he'd have this, you know, small, simple type swing cuz he he puts the ball in play a lot and there's not a lot of power, but uh he's up there and he takes a, a very aggressive hack, but he has the the hand-eye coordination to, to make it work. He, he covers the plates. Uh, he puts the ball in play, hits to all fields and, you know, it's not a, a ton of power, but I don't think he needs to have a ton of power uh, to be a shortstop. I think he, he hits the ball hard enough. Uh, there's enough pop in his bats and he's, he's going to be able to, to hit, get on base, be a, you know, a potential whether it's leadoff or number two uh, hitter somewhere somewhere in the top of the order and then play, Above average defense at shortstop, uh, and and he's grown into you know he wasn't really much of a runner when the Brewers signed him, but he's now a, an above average runner. So this is a really really well rounded player. I think he I think he's starting to get more attention. Uh, you know, it's not like he was off the radar or anything by any means last year, but uh, I think he's really really moved himself into the discussion among the top. Top handful of, of shortstop prospects in the minors right now.
0: Absolutely, I mean he's he's the second youngest player in that league, only to Billy McKinney, uh, at at 20 years and change right now. And he was he's the reigning Southern League player of the week. He had five doubles and a bomb last week. And if you go to BA, you could see I think three or four of those doubles on uh, our video of him from the week for the, the the three or four games I saw him or two or three games I saw him. Um, he's he's interesting. I I think there's. There's more power than I would have expected from him, especially in BP. You could see him going opposite field with a lot of power, too. Um, Mm. And it showed up in games, too, especially on one of those doubles that he kind of had a fastball kind of middle out and he smacked it up against the wall on one or two bounces. Um, And then there was one against J.O. Barrios where he knew a fastball was coming and he ambushed it and nearly hit it out to left field. Um, I think he, it is a home run if the wall's not huge. So he's got they stock in that bat. Um, the only area I almost I worry a little bit about, and I mentioned it in this piece, is that pitchers are attacking him away. Um, and I think he looked a little vulnerable away with off-speed stuff. Um, he looked like he would kind of commit a little early, and then you'd result in a, either a weak contact or, or a miss, a swing and miss entirely. Um, so... There's a little bit of work to do there, but just the tools are incredible. He's you're, you're right on that. He's a he's an above average defender with an above average throwing arm. He could play defense in the major leagues right now, I think, and it's something that he said he's worked a lot on to become better at. Um, but it, it's tantalizing. I think he's the top prospect in the Brewer system without question.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because you saw so you saw him and Jorge Polanco from the Twins, right? Yep. I mean, there's another guy too who I just think is pro- certainly Arcia came into the year with a I think a higher profile, certainly higher ranked than Polanco. Uh,
0: well, one of the a major leaguer already,
1: right? <laughs> for uh, you know, for a very I mean, brief, brief time, time but uh, just sort of an emergency. Oh, you're on the 40-man. Let's we don't have anyone else. <laughs> let's let's see what you can do for for a little bit. Uh, type deal with Polanco, obviously, but but yeah, Polanco, you know, I, I, I just think he's a very underrated player. There's nothing, nothing flashy about him. Uh, you know, I think he's, but I, I think he's a very solid all around player who can play whether it's, you know, whether it's shortstop or second base, he's going to play somewhere in the middle of the infield and he's just a, a good hitter. I think the more, you know i think he's one of those guys who the more you see the more you appreciate because i like his i like his bat i mean i think he's i think he's going to hit i think he's going to be an above average hitter in the major leagues and and play in the middle of the diamond somewhere now it's it's not going to be a ton of power but it's going to be again like RC it's it's going to be enough power for him to to play every day uh in the middle of the infield and and be you know an above average hitter and when you can do that and, and play in the middle of the diamond, that's, I mean, you put that all together. It's an above average player, potentially. So, uh, But you were able to see both of them. I and mean, what did you come away thinking between uh, Arcia and, and Polanco?
0: I think I liked Arcia a little better, but um, Polanco is certainly very good. Um, he still makes some mistakes. I think from aggressiveness, there's an incident, not an incident, uh, uh, moment on the bases, he got thrown out trying to steal, and I thought maybe the steal that he wasn't supposed to steal in that situation. It was just he got caught pretty easy by whoever the catcher was.
1: Yeah, he's not a good base runner. <laughs> That's that definitely is the area he's got to work on a lot.
0: But he made a lot of contact, and he, he showed enough power to put the balls in the gaps. In that first game, I think he was like three or f- three for four or four for five. Um, he made contact with the like I say, put the balls in the gap with, with authority. Um, can play shortstop. They're both can it's it's if you like Arcia, it's because he shows a little more control to his game. Um, but they're both stud prospects, I think. And that that I made the comparison that watching Biloxi versus um, Chattanooga or Chattanooga versus anybody really is like watching a Fall League game in June. There's just so many prospects on the field at one time. Uh, if you're watching Chattanooga, you're seeing Byron Bucks and you're seeing Miguel Sano you're seeing uh, Pol- Polanco, Travis Harrison, Adam Brett Walker, uh, Stuart Turner, J. O. Barrios, Jose Barrios, uh, Jake Reed, uh, J. T. Chargois with hundred mile an hour fastball, uh, Nick Birdie's on that team is stacked from you know starter to lineup to bullpen, and then you throw in Orlando Arcia and Michael Reed who's leading the Southern League, I believe, in OPS at 949 on the Biloxi team and gets no press at all. Um, and Tyrone Taylor, the guy we ranked number one in the Brewers system coming into the year, is on that team. Uh, Tyler Wagner was on that team, but got promoted before to the Major Leagues. Good for him, congratulations, uh, before I got to see him. And Jorge Lopez, another prospect of theirs, was on that team. So it, that league is stacked, but those two teams together is like watching the Arizona Fall League in June – with a lot more humidity.
1: Yeah. What uh, you mentioned, Buxton. What did you What did you think of him?
0: I mean, he's obviously he's obviously a stud. I mean, he's tooled up to from here to from here to Chattanooga. Um, he didn't do much in that series, but you could see flashes every so often. Um, he uh, I shouldn't say in the series in the games that I watched. Uh, when I did leave, he did stuff. Um, he had a couple singles when I watched, but you could see he's he's quick. He's got Silly raw power in BP. Um, he makes all sorts of great catches in the outfield. He robbed Anthony Giansante of at least a double, probably a triple. Um, I did see him swing a lot and miss a lot at off-speed pitches, um, which wasn't concerning, but it's just something to note uh, at this point. He, he does have a wart. He's, not, he's, he's the number one prospect still in the minors, but you know he's not ready yet. I wouldn't be bringing him up to replace Aaron Hicks right now. Um, I mean, what what do you have to add to that? I mean, I know, I know you, uh, love Buxton just as much as everybody else here does.
1: Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think defensively he certainly could play in the big leagues right now, but, uh, but yeah, offensively, uh, there's still, like you said, there's still some, there's still some work to be done. I think ultimately this is a guy who could hit, whether you want to hit him lead off or you could hit him in the middle of the lineup. Uh, I guess I'm not that, uh, passionate about where a guy has to hit in the lineup but uh i think he's gonna be able to hit for for average you're right there is uh, some swing and miss not not problematically but um but you know it's uh it's not like he's uh i don't project him as a you know a 320 hitter or anything like that somebody's gonna have a uh, an elite type of of contact rate but i think he's gonna be I think he's gonna be a plus hitter because of because of the bats and and the speed that he brings uh, to the table. It's gonna help him uh, leg out uh, infield hits. It's it's gonna help him turn singles into doubles, doubles into triples. I think he has what uh, eleven. 11? Yeah. <laughs> at
0: one point, I tweeted that he had 24% of his hits were triples at one point.
1: Yeah, and he has a, a pretty good idea of, of what he's doing at the plate in terms of his approach. So yeah, you're right. It's not uh, this is not a guy I would think would be up. This year, um, well, I didn't think although, Joey Gallo
0: would be up this early. So,
1: yeah, I mean the Twins, the Twins are a much more conservative organization. Uh, certainly, if the Rangers are aggressive, the Twins are uh, definitely on on the opposite end of that spectrum. But uh, but then again, you know, <laughs> the Twins are in first place in the national or in the American League Central, and it's June 3rd and I can't believe I'm saying that (laughs) because I thought this was going to be uh, the worst team in that league fairly easily. Um, I'm not quite sure how they're doing it. I don't know how sustainable it is, but those wins they have are in the bank and it's, I can't rule them out from being uh, a contender at some point, uh, you know, if. You know, if if July 31st, if the trade deadline rolls around, this team might actually be a buyer at the trade deadline, and they might call up guys who uh, you wouldn't have expected, and, and they, you know, if they need to go out and and use the farm system to help the the major league club in in a trade, they certainly have the the talent in the minor leagues to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, they have. If they're buyers at the trade deadline, even without Sano and Paul, uh, Buxton on the table, they have plenty of chips. I mean, just we talked about the Chattanooga team, but elsewhere they have Alex Meyer. If you want to sell someone, he's a power bullpen arm. They have uh, Cole Stewart uh, at lower levels. My my helium guy Chi Wei Hu is making a lot of noise in the um, the Florida State League and made in very pretty well for himself in one spot start in triple um i'm sure i'm missing somebody but they've got pieces up and down without touching their their prized assets
1: yeah i mean they still yeah like we talked about we talked about polanco they've got you know nick gordon uh they, they got a lot of guys in that farm system who would be very i think very attractive trade ships even down the you know the lower levels uh of the system they got some pretty pretty interesting latin young latin players who they could use as kind of add-ons as that you know third or fourth piece in uh, in a trade if if it comes down to that so yeah they've got uh, they got a lot of options and yeah you mentioned Alex Meyer it's you know the the control has been problematic this year i think if they they need to call up somebody this year i think Tyler Duffy is a guy who uh, is, is a sleeper for them. He's, you know, he, he did rank, I think he was number 15 or 16 for them this year. Um, Yeah, number 16 for them in the prospect handbook. But this is a guy who's never gotten a, a ton of attention uh, until, until last year, and that's because last year his stuff really just jumped up. Uh, He was throwing, you know, maybe up to, to 93 or so, and then his stuff jumped. I, I saw him last year up to, to 96 as a guy who, you know, throws a lot of strikes. Who keeps the ball on the ground? Who's and he's got a starter's mix. He's got a a good changeup. He's he's got a good breaking ball. It just kind of took a little bit longer for for things to click for him uh, coming out of college. But it's uh, this is a guy who has I think he's got a chance to be. You know, not a not a high upside guy, but a chance to be a, a back of the rotation starter. A guy who could uh, could help him this year if they if they want to bring him up.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. They they have, yeah. they have an excellent system, and it's going to be able to help them, whether it's in trades or whether it's just reinforcements down the stretch, if they do somehow maintain this. I, mean, I don't think they will. Um, I think that's the Royals' division or the Tigers' division um, for the taking. Who do you think is more surprising at this point, the Twins or the Astros?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I think... <laughs> Uh, can I just answer yes?
0: <laughs> no, because this, this is a hot seat, Ben. You're on the hot seat. Uh,
1: I'm I'm very shocked by by both of them. I, I think the the Astros, I, I expected to be, you know, and with for both teams, I expected them to to be contending either next year or or the year after that. I mean, these are both teams with good farm systems and, and good young talent in the organization, whether it's at the the big league level uh, now, especially in, in Houston uh, or, or in the minor leagues. But I I just didn't expect either of them to be this good so far.
0: Yeah, I, I think that it would be the twins would be the most surprising because the Astros, their, their big pieces uh, of their farm system were closer. Um McCullers was, I guess, on the edge of a call-up um, and got it. Preston Tucker was closer. If you believe Jonathan Singleton is ready again, he's closer. He's at AAA. I didn't think Correa would be on the verge of a call-up this early, but it sure seems like he is. Um, so I, Whereas Buxton and Sano are obviously coming off mostly lost years, so they wouldn't probably be able to help. Um, so I, I think the Twins are a little more surprising than the Astros.
1: Yeah, but uh, but one player the Twins are, are definitely not going to trade. I think it's fair to say is Miguel Sano, and uh, I, I love the the, the picture movie star, you, you
0: po- Miguel Sano.
1: Yeah, I love the the picture you posted the, the other day on our uh, on our Facebook page of him and uh, Buxton and and Polanco, uh, because Polanco it's it's not like he's a you know like a slim guy by any means but you could just see with Sano standing next to him and then standing next to to Buxton who's all Buxton's what six two one ninety or so something like that um and Sano is just towering
0: (laughs) no Sano is a monster he's a big boy uh,
1: an enormous enormous human being and hit an enormous home run in the in the video you posted and, and that you saw, I mean, what, uh, what were your impressions of him from, from watching him this this past week?
0: I mean, there's, there's still some rust to be kicked off, but man, man, oh, man, is his power stupid. Uh, that video that I posted, if you can find the baseball in that video, kudos to you because it was long gone, uh, probably before I turned my camera toward the left field scoreboard, uh, and then it was in the sun. But he hit some balls like that in BP that are still – he he and Adam Brett Walker during BP was just bomb after bomb after bomb. If you're on that highway outside of AT&T Field, you're very thankful there's a net up because otherwise you're calling your insurance adjuster to claim act of God, and really it's just an act of Sino. It's He's incredible. Um, I've heard that his lateral movement at third base isn't great. He did show one play that I'm sure you'll see on BA at some point where he was able to come in on the ball and one-hand it and make a strong throw to first, which is encouraging. It wasn't quite the, the, the A-rod play where you get it off the ground. It was off a high bounce. Um, but he does have that plus arm. Um, and even if he has to move to first base somehow uh, or some at some point, um, he's going to have the power and, and the hitting chops to stick there. Yeah, you're not touching him in a trade, I don't think. Although my my mantra is everybody can be traded. It's just a matter of for whom. I don't believe in untouchables, so that's a small digression.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. There's a, there's just sort of a with him I can't I can't imagine a practical scenario where where he's able to uh, uh, where where a team is able to to trade for him. But I guess look on the other hand we you know we've seen
0: uh, I didn't believe Addison Russell could be traded.
1: Yeah, Addison Russell, Will Myers, uh, you know, Jesus Montero was at one point one of the, you know, uh, an even higher ranked prospect than Miguel Sano. So so we have seen guys like that uh, moved. But
0: that 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 Pineda Montero trade, that was a fascinating challenge trade. And I would love to see more like that, that, you know, people on the Internet uh, are going to churn out immediate who won the trades. And it's not going to be. Uh, there's not going to be a clear winner until two or three years down the line. Those trades are fascinating, and Sano would be a kind of guy that could be moved in one of those, but it's probably not going to happen. But it's kind of yeah. Fun to think well, about. it's
1: uh, and it's it's. I'm looking at Sano. I mean, they list him at 260 pounds now, which sounds accurate, and yeah, yeah. Also sounds like uh, weight. I don't know how many 260 pound, six foot four, 260 pound. Third baseman there have ever been. I remember when he when Sano signed. First he was he was trying out at shortstop. Nobody thought this guy was going to be a shortstop, but he was running. If I remember right, he's running like six sevens. I mean, he had he could run. He had some speed at the time. Uh, he was athletic. Obviously, he still has a, a strong arm. Uh, it sounds like even even coming off the surgery now. Uh, So everybody just assumed this guy would go to third base, right field, you know, maybe first base, just depending on how the body developed, just because everybody thought, you know, this guy's going to blow up and be uh, just be a huge person. And that's been correct. And I don't know, has has he lost his athleticism or do you think the athleticism is still there to play third base? Or, I mean, it's just you don't see anybody who's 260 pounds
0: well, uh, with well. the exception
1: of maybe Pablo Sandoval, but even he's and one not. More. Uh, yeah. Juan Uribe. Yeah. He's, six,
0: yeah, he's listed as six foot two forty-five, I think, which is. Yeah,
1: he's. <laughs> yeah, he's, so I mean, you, you can get away with some different shapes at uh, at the position, but you have to be. You have to, you have to be an excellent, well. Yeah, you have to be an excellent athlete for. Uh, for your size, have quick reactions and, and hand-eye coordination and arm strength to to play the position. I don't know. It's it's always hard for me to judge a guy defensively after just seeing him a few games. What were your impressions of him uh, in the field?
0: He's okay there. He's they, Like I said, the, the lateral range isn't great. The arm is strong. But something someone was mentioning to me was that he doesn't know right now the finer points. Of playing third base, like when to play in, when to play back, when mm-hmm. to read a guy's swing better. And that's the kind of stuff that's not going to show up in a box score, or a video for that matter, um, that he still needs to learn, um, even if he had a fielding percentage of 1,000. Um, it's that, that kind of stuff is going to take a little longer for him to learn to, to see whether the final verdict is that he can stay at third. Um, you heard a lot of things about Michael Franco, whether he could stick at third um and i think he can uh he's not the most fleet of foot guy in the world but he's got great instincts over there Michael. uh and he's got a strong arm to make up for some of that lack of lateral range so they're working very hard with him on agility there's a video on our facebook page and our instagram of him there's a coach who will just take a ball and he'll stand like square from the coach and the coach will at random throw a ball to his left his right and his left and his right and it's kind of, and miguel has to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth and catch them and then immediately toss them back and get ready again. It's kind of like juggling, but the ball flight is controlled by somebody else's hand. And uh, he does okay with it. There's some times where he misses and then has to take a few breaths because he's winded. Um, But they're working very hard on it. And I think it's a long way off before saying you you have to move. All right. Um, so what, what else did you want to talk about on this podcast, Ben?
1: Um, you said you saw, who Who else did you see on the trip? You oh, said? uh,
0: Schwarber, um, the catcher for the Cubs, who is a catcher right now, um, may not be that in the future. Uh, if you read it in JJ Cooper's piece earlier this year about the Cubs and their catchers and defensive catching overall. Um, You know that they've revamped a lot of stuff with Kyle Schwarber. He talked about, you know, positioning himself differently on uh, parts of his feet. Like he said, they're thinking of uh, setting him up more uh, toward the middle of his feet now, if I remember correctly. They've changed his throwing stroke. He's working very hard on it, Um, but it's it's not a shame, but it's his bat is ready now or soon. He could slot right into that lineup, but because the Cubs are a National League team, Um, you're not going to play him at first base because Anthony Rizzo lives there. Um, I don't think you're necessarily going to put him in the outfield uh, yet. I guess left field would be the most likely landing spot for him if you're not going to put him at catcher. But that's another piece that could slot right into this lineup with Bryant and Rizzo and Russell and Castro, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody else in that Cubs lineup. But it's, it's another piece that... Is going to be a potential impact bat for them, just not necessarily. If he were with an AL team, he might be up right now DHing.
1: Yeah, I think they, I think they're genuine about their commitment to, to having him catch. Now he's not, he's not ready to catch in the big leagues right now. I think if you, especially if you teamed him with a battery of him and and John Lester uh pretty much anybody who gets on first base is going to be automatically at second <laughs> yeah so he's not he's not good at throwing out runners his you know his lateral agility is is not that great uh you know for in terms of just you know receiving and, and framing pitches it sounds like that's he's pretty solid uh at that but um but a lot of it's there's still a lot of work to be done behind the plate and i think if you Give him, you know, if you give him two, three years in the minor leagues, something like that, to to figure it out, he might be, I think he, he would be a passable catcher. But this is not a bat that's going to need two t- to three years in the minor leagues to be ready. Uh, he probably is not even going to need another year in the minor leagues. I don't know. I'm not as optimistic. And I love Kyle Schwarber, you know, ever since he – uh, you know, ever since the end of last, last season when he completely tore through uh, both levels of, of A ball and been all about Kyle Schwarber and, and I love his bats. Um, I would like to see some more time in the, in the minor leagues for, uh, for him. I like to see guys get a, some exposure to uh triple to a and, and, face different kind of pitching there than, than they're, than they're used to seeing in double a. I think it's uh I think it's an underrated jump, uh, for, for hitters to have to make. There's, you know, you're facing a lot more guys with major league experience, especially, uh, you know, once you get into the bullpens and in double a, you're, you're mostly facing a bunch of non-prospects or, or guys who, uh, throw hard and, and don't know where it's going. Whereas in, in triple a, you're facing a lot of guys who are on that, uh, you know, the taxi squad between shuttling up and down between the, the big leagues and, triple a so the the difference in pitching he, he would face there i think would be uh, important for uh for his development but but I, I think certainly you know by this point next year his bat's going to be ready it's just defensively it's uh it's a tough call to make especially for them you know if, if they had um you know if they had a more obvious opening for him i, I do think he could play left field uh i don't i wouldn't want to just throw him out there without any um, you know, without any seasoning, uh, without any experience out there, uh, without some more exposure to uh, to playing the outfield a little bit in the minor leagues before you want to put him out there. I do think he could be uh, a, a playable left fielder, but um, but it's going to be a, a tough decision for them to make because I think the bat is is really going to force the issue for for him pretty soon.
0: So the last guy I think we should touch on before we uh, we call it a podcast is uh, Steven Matz. And on my trip, I drove the two hours from Chattanooga to Nashville to check out Steve Matz against Barry Zito in a uh, kind of a back to the future sort of matchup. Um, Zito won that day. Uh, he ate you know, shutout innings against Las Vegas. And the, the curious thing with Matts was right now they have him on a pitch count for his last two starts of about 80 pitches. So after five innings, he was done and, not knowing about the pitch count beforehand, I thought, "Oh goodness, is he is he hurt?" You know, frankly, he's fortunately he's not. Um, but they're they're saving his bullets, and there's a story on BA right now about that. They're saving him for sometime this year. Could be relatively soon. Could be like Severino near the All Star break. But there's a very good chance you'll see Steven Matz in um, in Queens this year. And he's another guy, just to add to their list of their pile of pitchers, he's a lefty with three potential plus pitches in a mid-90s to 97-mile-an-hour fastball, uh, a hammer of a curveball, and a changeup that you'll get plenty of swings and misses on. Um, he's almost there, and if you add him to a rotation that includes, at some point, Harvey, DeGrom, Wheeler, Sindergaard. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing somebody dude Bartolo Colon yes Bartolo Colon yes the greatest our greatest treasure Bartolo Colon uh make a six man with those three guys just um you're gonna have a hard time getting hits against the Mets
1: well I think if if they if this if he was in almost any other organization I, I think he'd be in the big leagues right
0: now I think that's fair to say um He's he's close. He's real, real close, is all I can say. Um, even though that outing I saw wasn't his best, he was, like I said, 80 pitches. Uh, he was up in the zone a bit and he was rushing through his delivery. He even said as much afterward. Um, but you look at the rest of his season and you see that he just carves a lot. I asked one of the charting pitchers what to expect from him this today or that day, and he said, just a lot of strikeouts, dude, a lot of strikeouts. Uh, and he was wrong. I only got two, but, um, previously this year he would have been right
1: yeah I mean to me I, I've always liked Syndergaard over Mats I don't know who you would take it to me I, I like Syndergaard's I think Syndergaard has a better track record of durability that to me is a, a concern with Mats and you know I've, I've always I've always liked Syndergaard's uh breaking ball better than Mats's but that, that was kind of the question mark on on Mats in the past but just watching the the video that you took, and and from what you saw of, of Matt's breaking ball, it seems like that was a, a pretty good pitch for him the other day.
0: Actually, that, it is a pretty good pitch for him. It's a very good pitch for him. Yeah. That particular one was probably the best all day. Okay. Um, but that's I think is the 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 other ones are the outliers, and I'm sure a lot of mathematicians will yell at me and say that's not true. Um, but that one I think is m- more close to the the breaking ball you'll see from him at his best. Um. It's it's gonna be a really fine rotation. And if you read the quotes from Frank Viola in that piece, you'll see he's very excited about the future there, uh in in New York and the the pitchers he's able to help send from from Vegas to the Mets. Now if they can only get a hitter. Conforto, your 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 time is coming.
1: Yeah, I love uh love Michael Conforto. Everything you want to see in a, a good hitter he does.
0: Yeah, even even if he did go to the wrong school in Oregon um and and with that um i think we've we're at an hour and three minutes here now so i think it's probably time to wrap this puppy up i think ben's got july stuff july 2nd stuff to work on um i've got a bearing down piece to write and videos to make for the 500 so uh ben Badler, anything else you want to say before we leave no that's all all right uh for ben Badler, this is josh norris thank you guys for listening to another baseball america podcast